Welcome to the Being the Change podcast. I'm Kristen Vandeveer, here with Isabel Kiyosayan. We're your hosts, and we are also the founders of Meditation Without Borders, a nonprofit getting meditation to people who don't normally have access to it. Today, we are talking about family. (laughs) (laughs) We figured the timing of it, given that it's right before Christmas and Hanukkah just happened, but you know, the holiday season. it's, it's a good time to talk about it because this is a time of year when we tend to see extended family. And um, and yeah, we love our family, but we all know it's challenging. <laughs> oh, so where shall we begin? <laughs> well, one of the, not, it's not complaints, but one of the things that uh, students report more often is that uh, when they start meditating, they start to feel very connected to other people, but feel a little disconnected with their family. And it's a very interesting thing that happens with, with our practice because, you know, our family has been there for so long that a lot of our stress triggers come from family matters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were you saying? Eckhart Tolle used to say, uh, if you think quote. you're enlightened, spend a weekend with your parents. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. It is, it's, it is a, is a true testing ground for your consciousness state. So mm-hmm. if you are a meditator, you know, and you want to see like, okay, has this worked <laughs> <laughs> or to what extent has it worked? Is there still areas to work on? Um, yeah. You can go hang out with your family for a while <laughs> and, and, see. and you sh- you'll get it. You'll get, you'll reach that edge and you'll see, okay, where, where are we here? Where, where do we still need some, uh, some tweaking? Yeah. Right. We've been with our families for so long. They know all the right buttons to push mm-hmm. <laughs> and all those triggers. And it's also those things that have been reinforced over the years. So it's like when something that has bothered us keeps coming up and keeps coming up. And as we evolve, sometimes these things, the patterns, I find any kind mm-hmm. of unsustainable pattern gets very, um, it's hard to tolerate. Yeah. So I think that's partially why when we meditate, the family stuff comes up is because family dynamics are full of unsustainable patterns. (laughs) And it's very curious because when one family member starts to meditate and starts to let go of those patterns, the other non-meditator members, which is most cases, if you're, you're lucky, if there's more meditators in your family, if there are, you know, lucky you, but most, most families, (laughs) they have one meditator. Um, And so when these the dynamics starts to change, the family members don't know how to act. Right. And so they're a little thrown off and that might create a little more drama. Why are you leaving this dynamic? Why are you like, we know right. how this works. Come back <laughs> to the ever repeating known. It's true because we might have these dynamics, like certain ways of interacting with certain members of our family that might not be that great. Like maybe you have a very sarcastic relationship or maybe you have a relationship with one of your family members where you talk, you know, talk badly about other members of the family. <laughs> or maybe you have a couple of those. And then you might be talking badly about one and then you go to the other person and then you go back and forth. And then um, they do it with you. Right, exactly. And then God forbid you not be in the room. Um, but then you start meditating and you start finding that that behavior, you you feel less charm to it. You don't really Mm -hmm. want to do that anymore. And so now 
your family member that's used to having that dynamic with you is, is thrown off and, Mm -hmm. and mourning that version of you. And also they may feel a little guilty themselves about, wow, this person doesn't want to engage this way anymore, but I do, you know, it like, they don't feel okay anymore in it. It shines a light on their own behavior to them, which might be uncomfortable because they haven't been doing the work to, to evolve. And so it can bring some stuff up. Um, but I find too, it's, i it's difficult when for me, the, these, these dynamics that might have been frustrating when I, you know, when we're younger, um, and it, you don't have tolerance for the repeating of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes again and you're just like, no, I can't keep engaging this way. Like I can no longer engage in this. And so you might find yourself even more triggered in that sense, because you're like, no, no more. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, leave me alone. I don't want to be with you. I, I don't want to be this. with enlightened people. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't want to sound all snobbish here. That's not what we're no, intending. No, no. We're going to turn it around. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is challenging. Um, and when we're, when we start meditating anytime you know, start meditating, start evolving faster. And so really the truth is any long-term relationship becomes challenging because suddenly you're evolving faster than those around you. And those who are really supportive of you will support it. And those who feel threatened by it will try and hold you back. Yeah. Because they want you to come back to, to that, that person that they know in a sense. Yeah. They, they, they want to, you know, have their buddy in their journey. Right. Don't, don't leave me. <laughs> right. I like, I remember once when I was almost drowning in, <laughs> in a beach in Mexico and my friend was swimming away from me because, and I, and I couldn't swim. I wanted to pull her back. Like, Hey, don't leave me. Drown with me. <laughs> Drown with me. <laughs> Obviously I didn't do that. And, uh, you know, we were rescued and everything was fine, but that's kind of like a metaphor for what happened. Like, no, stay, stay with me. Don't, don't leave me. And, um, it takes strength to say, I support you in this. And then eventually, uh, some family members want to join you in that. Right. And that's amazing to me when I'm so surprised when I find it is actually so sweet when I find family members who do want to join mm-hmm. um, and who suddenly are okay with the shift, with the, with the um, transformation of the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm like my father's teacher now, mm-hmm. and um, which is very sweet. It's very sweet to have gone, you know, there's a bit of a role reversal in terms of authority um, in that sense, but it's the fact that he's open to it just shows his level of consciousness Yeah, that he's willing to learn from his daughter. Who's much, much younger than him. You know, he had me in his forties. So I'm, I'm like, (laughs) I must look like a baby to him, but, um, but he's seen, you know, he reads my articles and I think he occasionally listens to the podcast. (laughs) Hi dad, if you're listening, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's beautiful to see that relationship evolve. Mm-hmm. and um to get to know him better and through that um because it's if they're willing to kind of come along with you it's 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 beautiful what can 
how that relationship can evolve. Yeah. No one has to be left behind, you know? <laughs> yeah. And in itself, when, I mean, it'll change the dynamic for sure, just to have one meditator in the family. But even if they don't, I mean, if they learn how to meditate, that'll be amazing though. And, and of course, mm-hmm. you know, that meditator will inspire, but even if they don't want to learn how to meditate, that family member will be like secret guru in the family, their consciousness flow, their soma flow. Um, you know, at first it might be a little rocky when they have to kind of get used to it, but just having one meditator in the family will absolutely shed light on others. And even if they're, they, they're not doing the work, it'll, it'll kind of pull everybody up a little. And the Vedic perspective, not to get too esoteric on you guys, um, is that we souls tend to reincarnate in groups mm-hmm. that we kind of follow each other. And it makes sense if you think of how karma works because other souls you've had some karma with will come back in some form in this lifetime so that you can exchange the karma. And so very often people in our families, from the Vedic point of view, this is not our first time together or even our second time. We may have, this may be a long story arc in Mm -hmm. terms of relationship and that these groups of souls that sort of travel together um, when one gets enlightenment, it's like one bead on the mala or on the string. Mm-hmm. It's like you pull that one and they all start coming. Mm-hmm. So, and you may be thinking like, oh my gosh, my family is so far from enlightened, <laughs> <laughs> but they're not as far as you might think. And so when one starts to meditate, it really does pull all the others along. Yeah. Um, and for even me, if they resist you for it, even if they get, right. angry, I even mean, if they, <laughs> yeah, they're getting the, yeah. they're getting benefits. I have a student, um, she and her mom both meditate. And then dad is like, well, I don't need to meditate. And it's kind of just rubbing off of, on me just <laughs> that you guys are meditating. And it absolutely is. <laughs> Meditation by proxy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My dog used to do that. Like he would soak in the peace. Yeah. <laughs> He would always sit on top of me when I meditated. I'm like, oh yeah, he's just, he's just absorbing it. Yeah. I'm sure Uma, my dog, who's witnessed so many pujas and (laughs) sat on exploring the Veda courses, like she, she'll come back, um, you know, as a Rishi or something. My dog was, he died right before I went to my training, but he, he sat through his last year of life was sitting through all the all the courses, all the prerequisites and all mm-hmm. that learning. So yeah, I'm like, oh, he's going to be a little, little Rishi dog. Yeah. <laughs> little enlightened puppy. But um, yeah, the, these, these family members are, um, and it's fascinating to me too. Like some of the people in my family that I never thought would ask me to teach them to meditate have asked me. So it's, um, and which is just like, breaks my heart open to, to hear it. Um so, you know, it's, it's even took, you know, when I started meditating, it took my husband a couple years to, to come mm-hmm. around to it. Even seeing the benefits every day, seeing me say how great it is. Like it took him, like everyone has to come to it in their own time. Um, but just and, witnessing you is, is a huge push. And that's so important on what you said of 
having everybody come at the time that's right for them. Um, because, and that's why I always tell my students, like never force anyone to come. They'll come on their own when their time comes mm -hmm. and when they see the benefits and how good they feel when they're around you, because, you know, each time we meditate, we establish ourselves in being, and that just radiates and people feel the benefit. They feel great when they're around you. And so if we force somebody before their time, uh, what will happen is that they'll resent the meditation and yeah. so we're actually not helping them. We're hindering a process that might've come later in life and actually help them. So right. we have to allow everyone in their own time. And, and if, when the time is right, they'll come. And a lot of family members come when they see uh, the changes in their mother or in their daughter or in their mm -hmm. sibling or, you know, Right. Or, or in the case of my husband, he had to have what we thought was a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for a lot of people, was what they say the trifecta is it's health, relationships, money. Mm -hmm. It's like one or all those have to have to ha take a dive for people to either find meditation or return to their practice if they've stopped. Yeah. So, you know, um, for Ben, it was health. It was, yeah. he had, you know, 29 years old or whatever he was in his, you know, having heart problems and in the emergency room. And that was when he decided he's like, uh, right. Next time I'm able to, I'm going to learn because I was pregnant with Scarlett at the time. And he was like, I want to be alive <laughs> mm -hmm. for this baby. So, so I got to do something to deal with this anxiety and deal with the, the stress you know, we all have even as meditators, it comes, you know, yeah. stress doesn't leave us. <laughs> and so. something that I found that I've, I found in my personal journey, if you've ever gone to therapy, you kind of analyze why you are the way you are. And it, it almost comes from your parents. In the Vedic perspective, we, we pick our parents, you know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you choose your parents. Exactly. It's like, oh, I... I need to work on this stuff. So I'll pick them. I picked, um, a tough place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's had a lot of uh, beautiful things, but there, I know there's a lot of specific things and it's been quite the journey to grow and learn from that. And I, I'm not saying I, I have it all figured out, but it's definitely like, all, all of the things that I had to work on come from that. And mm -hmm. each time it comes around, you kind of grow yeah. and grow. And so a lot of people, when this stuff comes up, they feel a little angry about their parents. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, why didn't they do this? And so what meditation gives you a lot is understanding the different states of consciousness and understanding that they did the best that they could with what they had. Right. And when you truly get that, you forgive. And then it's up to you to see how you can heal from that. Knowing that and healing from that will eventually kind of give you that liberation. It is such a revolutionary perspective compared to that very sort of Western therapy model, which is like your parents effed you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like here's all the ways in which, you know, you, you, um, 
you didn't get what you needed in your childhood. And now this is why you're drinking, or this is why you can't, you know, keep a relationship for more than two weeks or whatever it is. It's this very blaming style of Mm -hmm. um, looking at things and the Vedic perspective where it says that you choose your parents. What that means is that you're choosing the parents that will bring the situations to you that you need to work on in this lifetime. It's like, it will, it, it exposes those areas that need evolving mm-hmm. for you personally. And by exposing them, you can actually evolve them. If they're not exposed, then, then there's no evolution happening. And, um, and that, that we were talking a little bit before we started recording about this concept of reparenting. Mm-hmm where a lot of people are thinking, you know, there's this process of, of going back into your past and seeing where, where was it that you were, your, um, what you didn't get when you were younger and kind of reparenting yourself in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And the, there's nothing wrong with that. However, the Vedic perspective would say to expand your consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then what you tap into is that larger, almost divine parent within you. Um, this happened to me. I can tell a very specific story because I, I lost my mother when I was fairly young. That's right off school. And, um, and so I haven't had that physical mother for many years, most of my adulthood. And, um, and that's been hard. You know, there's been so many times when it's like, I, I really would love a mother, you know, when I got married, when I had kids, all these things. Um, and it was recently the last time I was in India and I was standing in the Ganga and, you know, Ma Ganga, you know, mother Ganga, it was dawn. And so the, the sun was just coming up and, you know, water is the feminine element. So here I am like immersed in this mother element. Mm. And I had this voice come into my head and it said, it, it was always me. I get teary-eyed every time I hear that story. It's my favorite. (laughs) And I got teary-eyed there in the Ganga. And I I wasn't cold anymore because if anyone's been in the Ganga, they know how cold that water is. Um, I didn't feel cold. And I just, um, I started to cry. And I realized, so whatever I was feeling through my own individual mother that was mothering, that was that divine mother through her. And because she... I can still access that, that same thing, even though my physical, the physical body of my mother is no longer here. Mm -hmm. And it was so resolving for me. It was, it was like, um, I didn't feel that, you know, so many people go back into their past and they, they, they'll look to their parents now for these things, you know, they didn't get something when they were younger and they're still waiting for the validation. Mm -hmm. Um, I know people like this. I know people who, and it's hard because some of them, their parents have died and they still are looking for validation from their parents, a validation mm-hmm. that, that isn't coming <laughs> yeah. from that, from that human being, but that validation can come from your own state of consciousness. If you are able to expand it enough and tap into that divine source of divine mother and divine father. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's our, that's our Vedic reparenting. <laughs> yeah um and it's such such a beautiful concept and 
when you're able to do that and, you know, expand your consciousness and reparent and give yourself whatever it is that you didn't get. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're able to do that because it's all inside of you. Then what happens is that sometimes if your parents are still in their body, you can even kind of reparent your own parents. That's right. If if you start meditating and your 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 parents don't meditate, you may find yourself in a parental role. Mm-hmm. Um, because your consciousness will move past theirs, and and sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes the parents actually they love it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, it's not, it's not being patronizing. It's not about being patronizing, but it's just about, it's more of a subtle thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, your, your, when you no longer are looking for these things that you weren't met from a physical person, from that physical person, your expectations of that person lighten up. And so rather than when you have an interaction, like say you're going to see your family this Christmas, you're going to see your parents and expecting somehow that they're going to fulfill these things, you know, expecting them to act differently than they've acted for like decades, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> all those things. You, ex- you don't have those expectations that there's going to be anything different and you can just see them for exactly as they are. And it somehow can become even adorable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you're no longer coming at it with all this baggage yeah you know and sometimes we you know we're, we're so used to blaming blaming like oh they did this they did this this person this pe- person but but we're bringing a lot of baggage to it mm-hmm. and and that baggage is what is often why we get triggered so easily so, so once, once you can look at it objectively and, and come without the baggage, then, then it's like all those quirks, all those things, it's like, it's, you, you expect them to happen. First of all, mm-hmm. you have accurate expectations. Yeah. Having accurate expectations, I think is the absolute key for getting through the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> like if you take anything yeah. from this, this podcast, remember that phrase. Yeah. Accurate expectations. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, you know, um, there's a lesson in, in everything. And so just kind of understanding where they're coming from mm-hmm. is for me has been such a, you know, life-changing experience because I used to kind of get triggered and like, oh, they're not meditating and they're not enlightened and they're, you <laughs> know, they're doing this and they're doing that. But that bothered me because I wasn't growing in consciousness. So it wasn't really about them. And so when he kind of continued to grow and, you know, somebody might be, you know, having irrelevant behaviors and instead of trying for them to be different, one of the, of the things that I, that I love that we can do is put our attention on something that's super lovable about them, Mm -hmm. you know, and try to not put our attention on what's not lovable at that moment but what is lovable? Cause there's always something that's lovable. And so when we do that and, you know, sh- you know, just shed some Soma, it, it kind of changes that like they can, they can feel it. And, and that can change the dynamic within ourselves and within that person too, because 
we're, we're no longer, you know, the Maharishi phrase, everything we put in our, our attention on grows in our life. So if we put our attention on the bad things, it'll just kind of make them bigger. But if we try to look beyond that and see like, oh, they're talking from a place of pain yeah. or, you know, they're talking from a place of anger because this and that, um, we, we kind of see the divine in them and us seeing that in them can, can kind of uplift them a little. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I've had two experiences that have helped me when it comes to not getting into that mindset of just super irritated, complainy mindset. Mm -hmm. And one was when it was right before my mom died and someone in my family was doing something typical of their behavior. <laughs> and it was highly irritating me. It had to do with like ordering soda with pizza. Like it was something, you know, stupid, but because it's one of those repeated things, it was super triggering. It's like, oh, this is evidence of this behavior that is super relevant, that has been irritating me for decades. So now mm -hmm. the pizza and the soda is now sending me over the edge. And my mom, I didn't know she was dying, but she was, and she was very sick. Um, and she, she just came up to, and she was like, it, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> mm -hmm. like, it, it doesn't matter. And it kind of stopped me. And now in retrospect, it was like, wow, that really didn't matter at all. And from her, she's feeling so ill and knowing probably what was about to happen. Um, you know, it, 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 I remember that moment a lot. Mm -hmm. If I get into that mindset, I'm like, wait, no, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. And then another, another, um, experience I had when it, I was in a Jyotish session and, you know, asking about my relationship. Jyotish is Vedic astrology for those who don't yes. know. Yes. Yeah, sorry. We need a glossary at the end. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was basically the Jyotish just reminded me, enjoy their presence because there's not a lot of time left. Mm -hmm. And and I think that now it's like when we see, especially what those of us who don't live around our extended families, you know, it, they've been around forever. So it feels like they're going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. But it's important to remember that, you know, when we see our families, maybe once, twice a year, it's probably only a handful of times left. Yeah. And not to depress everybody, <laughs> but it's good to keep that And in that's mind. a wrap for today. <laughs> Joy. <laughs> We are meditation without borders. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to just bring the, the energy down. I didn't mean to do that, but it's, it, but this, I, it is, it does help me in a dark sort of way because it reminds me that look, there's not enjoy, enjoy it, enjoy mm -hmm. it, relax and enjoy it. Um, whatever little thing I'm getting a hissy fit over, I can let it go. Yeah. And I have a, a lot of students uh, ask me about this because, you know, when, when we grow in consciousness, um, people like to be around us and that includes some of our family. And if that triggers stuff for us, we, we may not want to be around them all the time, or we might not have time because, you know, we're doing all these other things. And so a lot of people complain. It, it's a little related to what we were saying. A lot of family members, you know, in Mexico families are very uh, tight and close and so a lot of people, a lot of family members complain like, Hey, you're, you're not with us a lot. We don't get a lot of not quality, be quantity time, <laughs> quantity time. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get quantity time. That's hilarious. <laughs> I need more quantity time. And it's a little uh, of mm -hmm. like, 
it's not about the quantity, but it's about the quality. And, you know, (laughs) and so when we're with them, like, let's try to make it good. Let's try to, you know, everybody has something to offer. That's why all beings exist. But if they're your family members, they have something special to offer to your particular story and to your particular being. And so we want to surrender to that experience as well and enjoy the quality, even if there's not a lot of quantity. <laughs> I love that. We need parents looking for more quantity time. <laughs> Yeah, it's and and those people, you know, the quality is is so important. Like I, I have family members, like cousins. I have one cousin in particular that we only get to see each other, especially with COVID. I don't think I've seen her in person in a few years now. When we when we get together, it's like no time has passed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like we just we've been so close since we were little kids, and um, so when you have that, when you can get all the bullshit out of the way and just relax and enjoy it, you get um even if you don't get a lot of time it's 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 so valuable you mm-hmm. get a lot of value for that time it makes it makes makes me crazy when all the drama gets in the way yeah because it can it can get in the way and chances are a year from now you won't even remember what was mm-hmm. that drama um and i love that point you made where it's like they they're all they all have something to offer you all mm-hmm. the family relationships and if you do think about it it's like you chose them so what why Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what are you learning here like what what is what is the what do you get out of this particular relationship that's helping your evolution Mm -hmm. even if it's a relationship that has that has friction to it you know I have two daughters and it's amazing to watch them because they've come into this world exactly how they are (laughs) you know and 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 the nature nurture argument I'd say it's like 99% nature, honestly, <laughs> like after having children, because I feel like I'm, I'm barely doing anything. Um, they are just who they are and they are very different mm-hmm. and they are very, it, they're a little oil and water. Like there's friction there. There's just natural friction. It's just fascinating to watch and be like, okay, here's, here's two sisters who've chosen this lifetime together and they have to work it out. Yeah. And that working out is going to expose for them what, what it is that needs working. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then there's the little guy who everyone Mm -hmm. just loves. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) But it's another point of contrast. So I see their friction and then I see how they just both adore the little one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's not like they just have problems with siblings. It's just, they have problems with each other. (laughs) But then again, you know, they also picked each other. Um, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. They probably, who knows, they, fights are probably, you know, they were probably together in the last lifetime. So this is just continuing, <laughs> continuing to bicker. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes I feel like people feel like they, they should love their family, mm-hmm. but they, there's so much love there. We just have to get rid of our own stress and see beyond their stress if they don't meditate. And I think we should mention, cause I have lots of friends who have family members that they no longer speak to mm-hmm. that they no longer have relationships with. And all this stuff we're saying applies to that as well. Yeah. I'm just saying those people, 
one, it, it is it is very beneficial for people to sever relationships sometimes. Sometimes that relationship, even if it's a family member, is no longer relevant. But that that relationship was shaping in some way. Yeah. So it did have value regardless of the dynamic, even if it was really challenging dynamic. Yeah. And and sometimes it I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because sometimes it is important to set boundaries. Right. Um because when there's a conscious person in, in the family, sometimes the the responsibility is bigger and and kind of people family members who are not as conscious may want to drown you. And so sometimes it is important to set those boundaries. In my own example, I didn't speak to my mom for almost four years. Um, I mean, we, we spoke, but the relationship was completely severed for four years. And um, even though that was the toughest moment in my entire life, it was so necessary. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had to do it that that dynamic was no longer sustainable and so to to cut cut that soma flow off allowed me even though i was in so much pain i'm getting a deja vu this is so strange (laughs) um but to to you know cut that off and be on my own and grow and really get to know myself uh it was so important and so that also allowed for her to grow. And um, even though she she didn't meditate, it she grew, you know, in her own way and in her own pace. And now uh, we've gotten to a new relationship, uh, a new status quo that is much more relevant to who we are mm-hmm. as a person. And now we've kind of met each other anew. And she knows me uh, uh, to who I have become. And I know her to who she has become. And, um, and now we kind of respect and have more ground rules and boundaries of what's okay and what's not. And so we're in a more honest and better place. But it took four years to get to that place. Four years of a lot of pain, but a lot of growth. So I think it is very important um, to sometimes set boundaries, it, it's not always, oh, love and forgiveness. Sometimes these things are necessary, um, but it's all for improvement and growth in consciousness. People have to make themselves relevant to what you're becoming mm-hmm. in, your, in your evolution. And that includes family members. Yeah. And, you know, they're invited to come, but. Right. <laughs> we can keep inviting. You don't have to stop inviting. You can just keep, keep the door open. Or close it if if that's that if it's a particularly toxic dynamic. Mm-hmm. But um, but family members just because they're family members don't mean they get a pass um, to to uh, have any control over your life. Mm-hmm. So um, so we get to decide, and that may be hurtful to some if for whatever reason someone in your family is choosing to make themselves irrelevant. Mm-hmm. or choose it like if someone's holding you back that is them choosing to make themselves irrelevant trying to keep you in a place where you know where you are not changing mm-hmm. because it threatens something within them um and so it's actually in some ways best to distance yourself from that because if you stay in that nature will come and sever that yeah and it'll be probably a lot more uh, 
when nature comes in, it's, it's usually a little rougher. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you touch on a, such an important thing because this was my personal dynamic. And I know this happens to a lot of meditators and, um, I have a few students who I've talked to, uh, this about meditators do tend to want to help people. I is extended self. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when somebody is in, is, you know, um, in pain or troubled, we want to kind of take their problems and, you know, I'll, oh, I'll carry this for you. And yeah. dynamics kind of become unsustainable. And so that's kind of a little of what happened um, in my relationship with my mother. I was uh, trying to save her all of my life. And there was a point where it's like, okay, but I can't. Yeah. And so the, I, I thought that the kind thing for me to do was to always try to save her. But when we look at it on a cosmic level, it's like, well, what's actually kind was for me to cut that soma flow and allow her to grow and help herself. Yeah, that's true. There's a, there's a dynamic with someone um, with in my husband's family. I, I'm, I'm not getting specific with any of this, but where there's a codependency mm-hmm. happening and families codependency is, is such a, um, <laughs> such, such a big thing with families. <laughs> very popular. Yeah. It's very hot right now. Codependency. Very hot. <laughs> it's in. It's <laughs> absolutely very in. <laughs> and this codependency, um, in which one, one person is the codependent and they're enabling there's a lot of enabling going on mm-hmm. and a lot of you know but then there's resentment that builds because of that enabling um but when that happens you're not it's keeping that person from growing it's you know you're taking their karma away from them in a sense uh or trying to and and that makes them irrelevant so you can't do that you have to let them grow um even if it is- seems like you're it's not the kind thing to do. It's actually right. the kind thing to do. Right. It's, it's, I mean, you can be supportive. It's not like you have to, you know, withdraw all support, but just it, be careful for that line when it starts to become codependent. And then, then it's, then you have to, to realize that it's kinder to let them find their own way to some extent. And, um, and that's hard. That's hard because there's all kinds of ex- expectations involved and blame and guilt. Guilt is another big family. Oh man. That, that's very in. <laughs> that might be even more, uh, more, um, in style than, than codependency. <laughs> the guilt trip. The guilt trip. Guilt is, it has no place in the Vedic tradition. Man-made um, feeling. Yeah, it has zero place. There's some other certain religions that that go big on guilt, but um, but guilt doesn't. It hardly gets talked about because it's not even there. Other our... people problem. <laughs> OTP. Is that it? Oh no, OPP. I think other people problem. Yeah, other OPP. <laughs> OPP. Another person's problem. Yeah, guilt. Guilt. There's no reason for it. It doesn't have any benefit, um, but there's there's those in families that love the guilt trip, and part of that is because there's a certain degree of attention that comes from guilting someone. Mm-hmm. You know, if if someone is trying to guilt you, it's like they're they're looking for a certain soma flow, 
Mm-hmm. Soma, once again, go back to our, our glossary at the end <laughs> is, yeah. is attention. Um, but they're looking for a certain kind of attention. And which is not good quality of attention. No, it's not. And it's not, it's not even remotely sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, a, rela- a relationship built on guilt is, is going to fall apart because mm-hmm. no one wants to feel that way. You know, you have to do you. <laughs> yeah. And if they want to be uh, guilt tripping, then they're doing them. Mm-hmm. But don't let, don't let yourself fall, fall into it. Cause it's not, it, you know, it, look at it from an arm's length and just say, that's, that's just information about their state of consciousness. Yeah. It's, the best it's a report. It's a report. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the best thing you can do is, you know, if, if they're ready, they, it, it's an opportunity for them to actually grow. And that's what, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. We want, it, we just want everybody to grow. <laughs> if you know when people are still in that consciousness state where they think that they're getting extracting their fulfillment from you and from others that's where a lot of that guilting comes from too mm-hmm. they think you have it and you're withholding it in some way you, you but that's not how it works there's no way to withhold it from anyone mm-hmm. because it all comes from within so if there's a situation in which you are not able to give what someone wants because they're crossing a boundary then they're learning that lesson that that they can't extract that from you mm-hmm. can't anyway yeah so we have to look look within look within <laughs> I gotta go within. they'll get there maybe this lifetime but maybe next it's but- it's, it's close it's coming <laughs> It's so valuable for a person to go within twice a day and remove irrelevant behaviors and shed that soma and light to the world. This is from a cosmic standpoint and getting back to what I was talking about with the soul families and, and those souls that kind of travel together. It's like once one in the group is, is found, has figured it out, has figured out that fulfillment is not out there, it's in here. Like that's the big, that's the big revelation. Mm-hmm. And so when one of the group spoiler out, spoiler alert exactly spoiler alert this is where it's going this is the that's the key and when one of the group gets there it's like the rest are right behind mm-hmm. so it's more like that it's not like just by being around us they're just basking in our glow yeah it was kind of, it could be a little like that um, it's it's more that you know we are not in isolation we're not moving through this life in isolation. We're not moving through these lives in isolation. Mm-hmm. We're doing so connected to everything. And, and there's some uh, souls that are even more connected to us than others. And so we're all moving together. Yeah. I, and I like to think of it that way. I like to think of it as, um, as, as we're all, we're all figuring this thing out together. The whole human race, we're all getting there and we're but- all a lot closer than we think. I, yeah you know yeah when we are have have asked me to teach them to meditate that i never would have thought would have asked me to teach them to meditate it makes me realize i'm like okay there's 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 a lot there's a the gap is barely is hardly there yeah and so now that people will probably spend a lot of time with their family in the holidays um take it as an opportunity to grow you know whatever seems to be bothering you it's 
it's triggering something inside that hasn't healed yet. And that's okay. But just realizing that uh, will help you heal a little faster. Yeah, witness it. Mm-hmm. And if someone's behavior is irritating, how I what I like to do is I remember myself from like 10 years ago. I'm, I just remember my pre-meditation days and some of the things I did and the nasty things I said and some of the awful behaviors I displayed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that was not that long ago that I was there. Yeah. I was there like a, in cosmic time, barely a, a moment ago. Mm-hmm. And so you can like, it, it makes me have more compassion when I see irrelevant behaviors and it just, and I still have so many irrelevant behaviors. So I'm like, okay, well, this is what this person's issue is, but I have different ones, you know? So as much as in this, to the extent that I also have trouble with these things and seem to not be able to make a lot of progress on them, mm-hmm. this is, they're having trouble making progress on those. It's not the same things, but, um, you know, I may get, get depressed while this person gets angry, you know, or this person gets anxious, but it's still, this is how instability comes up in me versus comes up with them, but it's still as uncontrollable. I can't control when I'm depressed and they can't control when they get angry and this person can't control when they get anxious, you know? So it's, it's, you kind of, it's like a translation game that mm-hmm. happens and seeing unity, even in the irrelevant behaviors. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if somebody, you know, gives you a comment, that's not that nice, you know, or, <laughs> you know, makes inappropriate questions, they're just reporting on their state of consciousness. They're not reporting on you. And so just understand that and be kind to that without, you know, allowing people to step on you. Do you have the show Shits Creek in Yeah, <laughs> we do. Well, there's this awesome like clip that was going around around Thanksgiving where um, the son and the mom are like trying to cook a dish together. Mm-hmm. And it's just so hilarious. And I, I, if I could find it, maybe I'll put it in the notes of the show. Yeah. <laughs> because I think of it, they're just having this little hissy fit together. They're just going back and forth about like, how do you fold in the cheese? I don't know how to fold in cheese. How do you, it's your recipe. And it just cracks me up because it's so relatable. Yeah. And so after watching it, like, I almost look forward to those little family things mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're so, it's part of it, you know, yeah. it's part of, of the holiday experience is the, is the, you know, the little arguments and the little passive aggressive <laughs> things that are going yeah, yeah. under the surface. It's like, it's all, and if you expect that and enjoy it in a way, you can mm-hmm. enjoy it as just, this is, this is my family and this is how we interact and here we are. And this, there can be enjoyment in that, but it yeah. takes that higher state of consciousness for meditation to witness it. Mm-hmm. Cause when you witness it, it becomes like you're watching a funny TV show. Absolutely. Witnessing not being in it. Yeah. Right. And if you want to, you could even like whip out your phone and record it. And then you actually make your own little funny <laughs> TV show. <laughs> you can make a little TikTok. Right, exactly. <laughs> and get like a million views. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, I hope I hope to everyone that this helps a little bit in the next coming weeks. <laughs> I know it's gonna help help us, you know, Absolutely. get through this holiday season. We are both like met up. We're like we're like, we're so overwhelmed. <laughs> like, so overwhelmed. What is it about this time of year? It's just it, it's just the forcing of the happiness. Like, right. 
Don't force me. I'm, I'm trying here. (laughs) Well, it's that picture, that picture everyone has of this perfect holiday where everything is color coordinated and there's lights and it's all like everyone eating around a table. And it's like, no, the perfection is in the disaster it is for everyone. Exactly. It's always this big mess, but it's beautiful. It's just a different kind of beautiful. It's not this kind of perfection beautiful that we, we put all these expectations on. I agree. So if we can embrace that and just roll with it, then, then it will have, will it relax and enjoy our way through it? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So happy holidays to everyone. Happy holidays. Jake or Dave. Jake or Dave. Bye.